Well, it is New Year's Eve, and as you may have guessed, you're in church on New Year's Eve, so we're going to start with setting some goals. So here's what I want you to do as we get started with the service. I want you to turn to the person next to you, I want you to tell them hello, and then share an idea that you have for your New Year's resolution. So on your mark, get set, go. Well, it seems like you guys are, are for setting some good goals for your new year. If you're like most Americans, maybe you want to start eating healthier or exercising more. Maybe you want to spend some more time with family, or maybe you just want to grow in your relationship with God this year. Now, personally, when it comes to pursuing our goals, I don't care too much about the time we start. I suppose New Year's Day is as good a time as any, but... More importantly, what I think God cares about is that we pursue the goals that he has for our lives. I personally am more passionate about this idea of of pursuing our goals and and setting goals to improve our lives this year. More than most years, I think I'm more passionate about it because I've had a pretty tough year. This year, my, uh, my dad passed away. About a month and a half ago, a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, I got the opportunity to travel back uh, to, to Illinois to be able to see him before he passed away. And I got to spend about a day with my dad by his hospital bed right before he passed. And thankfully, uh, my dad was a really good man. He taught me a lot about the person that I want to be. He helped me to know uh, what it meant to follow Jesus as he should, led by example in his, in his life. But in the end, I also learned some of the mistakes that I wanted to avoid. My dad was only 65 years old when he died. And if I'm being honest, my dad died too young. He had a four-year-old grandson, and he could have had a much longer life. Like I said, he was a good man, but all of us have blind spots in our lives, things that we say, you know what, maybe I should just wait to deal with that. His was his health. He didn't take care of himself like he should have. Throughout his life, he kept sweeping his health problems under the rug and not making the changes he needed to make, and eventually it was too late to change it. But like I said, all of us have those issues in our lives, things we say, man, I'll deal with that later. I'll put that off. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that in, in the future sometime when it's, not so, when it's more of an issue. And let me be clear, your resolution, your goal for your life, whatever God's putting on your heart, may have nothing to do with your health. So let me ask you this question. If you could make any change in your life to improve your life, what would you want to see God change most? The truth is, if you're not willing to make a change today, you're not going to be willing in 10 years. But I truly believe that God wants to make those changes in our lives. So today we're going to look at how change works in the Christian life and give three action steps toward pursuing God's goals for your life in the new year. Now the first step toward pursuing that change is to invite God into our commitment. God has to be part of the process if you want to see any real and lasting change in your life. The most important thing to understand 
as you're pursuing your goals in the new year is that real and lasting change isn't behavioral modification, it's spiritual transformation. So many people go into the new year with all the best intentions. They want to start eating healthier. They want to go to the gym every day. They want to start managing their time better. Or they want to finally break that addiction, only to quit after a couple weeks because they ran out of motivation. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Just because you invite God into your commitment doesn't mean He's going to do all the work for you. No, it's still going to take work on your part. There's still the principle in Scripture, you reap what you sow, But it's important to understand that God wants to do more in your life than just change what you do. He wants to transform who you are. God says it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word transform there, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform means, it comes from the Greek word metamorpho. It describes a change that happens from the inside out. It's the kind of change that happens when a caterpillar goes inside a cocoon, and weeks or months later it comes out a butterfly. The kind of change that God wants to make in your life, it doesn't happen by willpower alone. No matter how much willpower a caterpillar has, it's not going to be transformed into a butterfly by willpower alone. No, it happens with with God's active work in your life. The kind of change that God wants to make happens only when God is doing the transformational work. At the same time, God says there's a part that involves you as well. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word for renewing there could also be translated as renovate. God wants to do a renovation project on our minds. My wife Nicole and I bought a house a couple years back, and we, as we bought it, it was freshly renovated on the inside, meaning that the previous owner, uh, even though you couldn't see anything on the outside, even though you wouldn't have noticed a difference on the outside, on the inside, he was tearing up walls. He was tearing up the flooring. He was rewiring certain areas of the house, and he was rebuilding it and reshaping it according to his preferences. See, that's what God wants to do with our thinking. He wants to do a renovation project on our thinking so that we can think according to his good and pleasing and perfect will, so that we believe what he believes, that his will is good and perfect, and that we even desire what he desires. We see God's will as pleasing in our lives. So how exactly does God do this renovation project? Well, Romans 8 verse 5 goes into more detail about how that happens. It says this, those who live in uh, in accordance with the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So God tells us to renew our minds, and then He gives us a choice. We can either allow our minds to be governed or ruled by our flesh, which our flesh is what we want, it's our cravings, our emotions, our desires, or we can choose to deny ourselves and and submit to what God wants. So either your desires are lording over your actions, or you choose to respond by obeying God's Spirit in your life. One of the best books I read this year was the book Atomic Habits by, the, uh, by James Clear. In the book, he talks about how our habits are our mind's subconscious solutions to problems. 
And what's cool is that he breaks down our habits into four parts. He talks about how there's the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. So for example, the cue is you hear the sound of your phone when you get a text message. Oh, there it is, right? Then there's the craving. You want to grab your phone and read the message. The response, you pick up your phone and you start reading, and the reward is you get to read the contents of the text. Now, if the text goes off in church, a lot of times our only response is trying to silence it quickly so the people don't look at us anymore, but you get the point, right? Now, many times our habits aren't bad. Most of the time our habits are super helpful. I don't have to think about how to open up my text messages every time. It just kind of pull up, I pull out on my phone and all of a sudden I'm in my text messages reading. Habits are our, our mind's easy way of solving problems. But the issue is that some of our habits are working against us. If your goal for the new year is to improve your marriage, but every day when you go home, instead of taking time to listen to your wife, you sit on the couch and you watch TV for, with all your free time, then you have a habit that is working against your goals. Now, the Bible says we renew our minds by denying the desires of our flesh and following God's response to the situation. So remember, you have the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. So the cue could be, I wake up in the morning. The craving, I want to hit the snooze button and go back to sleep. The response, instead, I get up and I go and read my Bible. And the reward is I'm becoming the person who seeks God daily. Now, first, this is really difficult and it requires, it requires a ton of motivation. But if you develop routine where you do the same thing over and over and over again, after a few weeks, you'll find that it's not nearly as difficult to re- keep a routine going as it is to start one. The cool thing about our habits is they're tough to form, but once a habit is formed, it's not nearly as difficult to maintain. So if you're able to create a habit that honors God and works towards your goals, every time you perform that action, whether it's reading your Bible, saying no to a temptation, choosing to eat a healthy meal, or praying instead of worrying, every time you choose a different response, you're rewiring the way you think and respond to those situations. Over time, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind because you're forming a habit that is submitting to God's will instead of your flesh. So once you invite God into your commitment and you understand the change that God wants to make in your life, the next step is to set a goal that requires faith. Hebrews chapter 11 in the Bible is widely known as the hall of faith. It's a highlight reel of people who believed that God could do impossible things in their lives And they did it because of their faith. Hebrews 11.6 teaches how important faith is in our relationship with God. This is what it says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. If you want to please God with your goals this year, it's going to require you to act in faith. God wants us to believe not only that He exists, but when we do things His way, that it's going to turn better, turn out better than when we do it our way. So as you're setting your goal this year, instead of saying, my goal is to read my Bible twice a week, you know, setting an easy goal that you know you can fulfill, instead, set a goal that scares you a little bit. Set a goal that you might just fail at because all faith requires risk. When you set a goal that scares you and requires you to trust in God, and then you go and tell everyone about it, that's the kind of 
goal that will increase your faith, and it's going to make God happy. It's going to please God as you pursue that goal. That kind of goal becomes a statement of faith where you say, God, I know this is only possible if I'm trusting you to help me with it. I know that this isn't going to happen if I'm not working hard and doing my very best, but I need you to make it happen. If your goal is to grow deeper in your faith this year, instead of saying, I want to read my Bible twice a week, maybe set a goal that scares you and say, maybe you set a goal that says, I want to become a person who experiences intimacy with God daily, where I hear His voice and where I I know what he wants me to do that day, and I experience his presence. I know he's with me. That's a much better goal. If you have a goal, if you have another goal, you might need to ask yourself this. Who's the type of person who could get the outcome that I want? What kind of person do I want to be? And then follow up that question with this. What kind of habits would that person have in their lives? So if you want to be a better parent or a better spouse this year, think through the kind of habits you, can you would need to intentionally invest in those relationships on a consistent basis. If, you have a go if your goal is to overcome a specific temptation, you may need to remove the habits in your life that are causing you to stumble. But as you're setting your goal, think more in terms of identity. Who do I want to become rather than just what do I want to achieve? Because real and lasting change isn't behavioral modification, it's spiritual transformation. As you're setting your goal, we need to invite God into our commitment. We need to set a goal that requires faith, and then we need to start taking disciplined steps forward. In ancient Corinth, they had a, a competition called the Isthmian Games. It was similar to the Olympic Games where athletes would compete for fame and glory. In 1 Corinthians, Paul uses these games to teach the church about discipline. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 9.24. It says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul's using an illustration here of a competitor in the Isthmian Games to teach the church that if you want to pursue God's goals for your life, you need to have a disciplined approach. Paul says athletes go into strict training. They're training so that they can accomplish a goal that they can't yet accomplish in their lives. And those athletes did it to win a crown. But as believers, when we pursue God's goals in our lives, if you have the right goal, when you pursue that, you're not just pursuing a temporary treasure, you'll store up treasure in heaven as you pursue the goals that God has for your life. Paul goes on in verse 26 to say, therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight a boxer. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, Paul had a goal in his own life. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. His goal was to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. He wanted to share the gospel with as many people as possible so that as many people as possible could understand that they could have saving faith through Jesus Christ. But even as Paul preached the gospel in his own life, he wants to make sure that he's living it out himself. He wants to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So Paul makes the point that every step he's taking is to pursue his goals. He isn't running aimlessly. He's not just running in circles. He isn't just boxing the air. No, he's getting in the ring with a real competitor. Why? Because he's taking this training seriously. Every step Paul takes, he's taking disciplined steps forward. If you want to see God make a change in your life, it's going to take more than good intentions. It's going to take work and discipline on our part. In in verse 27, Paul does that by striking a blow to his body and making it his slave. What does that mean? Well, remember, there's the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. Paul says, when I get to the cravings part of that process, I have to choose to deny myself and push down my fleshly desires and instead obey God's response. See, discipline is all about choosing what you want most over what you want now. In this case, Paul's choosing God's will, what he wants most over what he wants in the moment, what his flesh is telling him. I had a former student back in Chicago who, who when he was in 2015, he lost 80 pounds in 11 months. Now, that's a pretty incredible feat. But most people who lose that much weight, they end up putting the weight back on in some form or fashion. But almost 10 years later, this guy isn't just healthy, he is ripped. And what inspires me about Matt is that he has a completely different perspective on change. He saw his health as a spiritual discipline. Every step of the way, he was giving glory to God, and he took steps to deny himself by, quote, saying no to foods he wanted and also eating smaller portions. Now, again, this message isn't just about being healthy. You may have a completely different goal that God's putting on your heart. But the principles remain the same. Matt denied himself. He did what God wanted instead. And over time, God reshaped his thinking Ten years later, he's still experiencing the real and lasting change that only God can make. But for any goal, the key is to take consistent steps forward. Don't try to run the whole marathon at once, but start by forming one or two meaningful habits. And every time you successfully overcome the flesh, God is reshaping the way you think. So if you want to see God make that change in your life this year, You invite God into your commitment. You set a goal that requires faith. And you start taking disciplined steps forward. Earlier this year, I applied some of these principles in a lesson to our middle school group. And I challenged them to develop a habit of reading God's Word. In their small groups, many of them added each other on the Bible app. They made commitments to one another to try and read their Bibles for two minutes a day for seven days straight. Guys, that was three months ago. Until this day, there are still loads of students who are reading their Bibles every single day. Every day I see kids that are reading their Bibles on their Bible app. I see them highlighting verses. I see them writing notes. I see them completing Bible plans. Earlier this year on a, in a worship service, a kid came up to me and he said, Josh, I finally got my bi- the badge in the Bible app for completing the whole Bible. That is wild for a middle schooler. I honestly didn't believe him at first. I was like, are you sure about that? Like, and he told, and, but here's the thing. I see this kid every single day, and he's highlighting verses. See, either way, these kids are forming habits that are shaping who they will be for the rest of their lives. 
Guys, I know it can feel overwhelming at times to set a new goal. It can be scary to put yourself out there and trust God in that way. But if our middle schoolers are able to develop a habit of, meaning, of developing meaningful habits to improve their lives, if they're able to develop those habits of reading God's Word, those, like, those habits that are going to shape the rest of their lives, by the grace of God, you can develop those habits too. So here's what I want us to do as the worship band starts playing behind me. I want to encourage you, just take out your phone for a second. Take out your phone, skip over your notifications. Those are all the wrong cues right now. Skip over your notifications and just open up your notes. If you've got a, uh, a notebook in front of you and you just want to scribble out a few words, that's okay too, but take out your phone, pull out your notes, and I just want you to write down a few words. Take a step of faith and write down the kind of person you want to be in the new year. What do you want to see God change in your life? Write that down. Later today, I want to encourage you to think through the kind of habits you'll need in your life so that you can start taking those disciplined steps forward. Because we have a God who's worthy of our best. Paul said it the best. He said, let's live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we go into 2024, let's plan to bring as much glory as possible to the God who deserves it. So let's pray together. Father God, we know that you're a God who is worthy of our praise. We thank you for being a God who loves us and cares about us and, and a God who helps us. God, we know you died on that cross so that we could experience new life. God, help us to pursue that new life that you have for us. Help us to be disciplined and take steps forward to go after that life that you have. God, as we, uh, as we go into the new year, God, we want to honor you with everything that we can. Help us to live a life that is worthy of your name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.